You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. And tonight we're looking at two episodes of Logan's Run. We'll be looking at Half-Life and The Crypt. And let's start with Half-Life. It's going to be all about radiation. I know it's all going to be about radiation. That's what it is. That's what I was hoping for, too. (sighs) Logan and the gang encounter electronic interference in their car and then get captured by a bunch of savages with nets. It's just another day on Logan's Run. The savages, called castouts, are just about to kill them if they weren't such bad shots. But a group of people known as positives rescue them and take them back to their city. When asked if they're processed, our heroes try to bluff their way through by saying, yes, of course. But it doesn't take the city dwellers long to discover that is a lie. In their civilization, all people are put into a machine that splits them into good and evil copies. The evil are cast out. And the good are the positives who live in the city. But they're not perfectly good and evil, for the good feel the need to impose their will on others and kidnap Jessica and cleft her in twain, chucking evil Jessica out with the castouts. Rem and Logan escape and find their way to the castouts and find that while rough around the edges, they aren't all bad either, because that's just being human. They convince them to return to the city and become rejoined, if possible. But the patron of the city sets a trap, which would be fatal if it weren't for the patron's wife, Rama II, who is secretly a negative that assumed the place of the dead positive version of herself. The two halves of Jessica are reunited successfully, although honestly, you can barely tell. (laughs) When Rama commits suicide, the patron decides to rejoin everybody without of course bothering to ask if that's what everybody wants logan and the gang leave and jessica is happy knowing she can be unhappy the end oh, i wish it was the end but there's more episodes wow writer simon winkleberg i'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that name winselberg winkleberg w-i-n-c-e-l-b-e-r-g winselberg go with winselberg yeah i think it's winselberg Shyman, uh, not Simon. Shyman, yeah. Well, no, well, okay. So, uh, yes, except that you may also know him as Simon Winselberg, Simon Winvelberg, S. Bar David, and yep. Simon Bar David. So All he couldn't spell. So let's not hold that against him. Let's not hold that against him. The man has hundreds of television credits over the years. All right, all right. So... Yes, hundreds of television uh, credits. So what happened here? What went wrong? Was he having a bad day? Was he pissed off at somebody at the studio? Okay, I'm just going to... I've got a list of some (laughs) of the things that people who listen to this podcast may be familiar with that he has done. But of Mm -hmm. course, the the most infamous of those is he wrote Man from Atlantis, The Imp. He wrote an episode of the Star Lost called An Only Man is Vile. 
Oh, you know, I've only seen that once, uh, that se- series once, so I don't remember that one. But boy, I'm I, looking I forward to watching it. I believe that's the one with Simon Oakland. Uh, that's the scientist that's claiming everybody's evil and and man's rotten and stuff. <laughs> like I hmm. I don't remember what they did with that, but I I just remember that. Heck, we might as well just hit the list here. He wrote mm-hmm. seven episodes of Lost in Space, including the first few episodes and the unaired pilot, which actually, yeah. you know, was the good part of Lost in Space. The first few episodes yeah. before it went nuts. Yeah. He wrote one episode of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Jonah and the Whale. Uh, he wrote two Wild Wild West episodes, The Night of the Infernal Machine and The Night of the Samurai. He wrote the pilot for the Time Tunnel. Uh-huh. He wrote... Up Above the World So High for Planet of the Apes. That's the one where the apes and the hang glider. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like that one. And he wrote, and a cup of kindness to episode of Super Train, which featured Larry Linville and Dick Van Dyke as a hitman. (laughs) And (laughs) he killed people with an amazingly bad British accent. Oh, I'm an assassin, eh? Governor! (laughs) And, uh, And of course... You know, it would be remiss of me not to say that he also wrote Star Trek episodes, Dagger of the Mind, and the Galileo Seven. I'm not familiar with that series. Never heard of it? Yeah, it's no. uh, it's a little bit. I, I believe he does those Star as Trek, Espar, David. Yeah, Star. <laughs> it's it's like this oh, Trek boy. to Galileo the Galileo Seven. Oh man. I love the Galileo Seven. Yeah, actually I do too. I I thought it was pretty good. He he has uh uh, a co-writer on that one, if I remember by uh, Wikipedia. It's possible. On that one. It's possible he has a co-writer on that one. But Dagger in the I Mind was all his. Yeah, Dagger of the Mind is all his. And I don't hate Dagger of the Mind, but it's not one of my favorites. I'm afraid but, I'd have uh, to look it up to see uh, to remember what it is. Tantalus Colony, prison, machine that can implant thoughts or remove oh, thoughts. Oh, yes. Yes. It's, it's not a childish, huh. silly romp. Right, it it is. Yeah, if I remember right, that one was actually fairly well thought out, unlike what we saw here. Here in this in this particular episode, what surprises me, I knew Espar David had done Star Trek, and I knew he had done Galileo Seven. I couldn't remember what the other one was. I kind of halfway thought maybe it was going to turn out to be uh, the Enemy Within. (laughs) Could be based on this episode. Yeah. so, um, and I'll just, if you're not familiar with that, The Enemy Within is an episode of Star Trek in which Kirk, through a transporter exper- or ex- accident, is split into two identical beings, one That's good. A transporter incident. That's incident. what it goes on the reports as. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little minor problem and, and one evil. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about that episode, it's a stupid premise. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It's dumb idea that you can <laughs> yeah. say that, that the soul or the, the mind, the influences of good and evil can be split. However, in that episode, it is treated as a way to look at the human condition, right. to look at, right. at, at the balance that we all have and you know where we get our strengths and weaknesses and, and variety of things. And so it is it's right. an allegorical exploration of man rather than... Right. Right, strictly. and to, to ironically say that there is no such thing as pure good and pure evil in pure humanity. Evil. It's always a mix. Yeah. So, you know, that in itself is is good. It's a good episode in that mm-hmm. respect because, of, uh, because you take the time to look at the issue and you're saying something. This 
episode, cool. which more or less does the same thing, except it does not. <laughs> it should be rephrased as uh, more of less. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I would, I would like to say right now that I think if uh, they would have chucked Rem into the machine and blown him up, <laughs> I'd have been happy. Yeah. And I think the writing would get a lot better because then the writers would have to write actual things for Logan and Jessica to do. To do. (laughs) Other than just listen and ask questions of Rem. Isn't it? I mean, I I have been saying that Rem is a terrible, was a terrible choice. I don't dislike the actor. I don't, in a way, I don't even dislike the character. But exactly, such a prop. When I was a kid, I really liked the Rem character. I thought it was really cool because he was a robot, blah, blah, blah. But now when I'm older, yeah, whatever, Android, robot, (laughs) synthoid, whatever you want to call him. Now, you know, it's horrible. It's, Mm. it's a a terrible crutch. Um, It's, it's just, you know, exposition in a can pretty much. Yeah, he is. I I mean, very first scene. They're driving down the road, and the monitor display, which is designed cool. to be giving information to the pilot. Or epilepsy. Epileptic Or fit. epilepsy. Is doing something, and they're like, hey, what is that, Rem? That's uh, <laughs> obviously some sort of like, you know, this is a failure of design of the equipment. Yeah. That, that it's not conveying any information. And so literally, why don't you just let Rem drive, Logan? Yeah. Just, just give it up. Let Rem drive. And and you and Jessica just ride in the back and let him chauffeur you around and tell you when it's okay to pee. And, you know, <laughs> it, it just, it, it really, well, uh, we'll never get through that barrier. Don't worry, Logan, I can walk through it. I, I can generate a force field. And uh, yeah, the even basically the I'm going to rescue everybody scene was Rem doing it, getting shot and then taking a gun from somebody. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, Logan fought a guy down, but only because Rem got there first. Yeah, exactly. And but but there's a scene where Rem, who has taken a gun and has shot somebody with it, stun stun gun, obviously, and Logan has taken the other gun from somebody and has shot somebody with it, stun, and the two of them are running down the corridor, holding off guards and the city. And you know mm-hmm. what my thoughts were? You see, Logan. Isn't it nice if you had two guns? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but I bet really you're not going to take bad. those guns in the end. I mean, you Rem can use that gun. Take one of those guns and let Rem have it from now on. It's like, yep. well, I cannot hurt anybody, but this gun is perfectly harmless, so I can shoot everybody I want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even Jessica and Logan, when they're not paying attention. That's right. Being- Annoying humans. I'll just keep you quiet for a few hours. Exactly. (laughs) We'll be there in a moment, Logan. Zap. Zap. Yep. (laughs) It's dark again, Rem. It was just dark a few (laughs) minutes ago. (laughs) It's time for bed. It's time for bed. The car has to rest. Lie down. Uh, That was actually one of my thoughts when uh, after the guards had been shot in the city, and uh, Logan and Rem had, had run off, and they, we cut to a shot of two other guards discovering the shot guards. They're frozen in place, and uh, they don't do anything to them. They just leave after they leave them there. Yeah, it's like, 
okay, so does that mean that truly there are no side effects for this weapon? I mean, if that's the case, then goodbye insomnia. <laughs> Just zap you and that's it. Yeah. Take a nap. I mean, assuming that you will wake up rested. I mean, if if not, then, you know, maybe you're all achy from holding a position for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> if If for some weird reason somebody decides to have another Logan's Run television series, I hope there are no androids involved. No REM, no REM, yeah, no, no REM. REM. Yeah. Well, I don't think they need to do that now because nowadays Logan and Jessica could be going at it like rabbits on TV. That'd be funny. well, yeah. And you know all the jealousy, and then they they keep secret because it'll be on the CW. You know it is, and they'll keep secrets from one another, and then they'll. I'm hoping HBO get... <laughs> or Netflix. Oh, that's that's your wishing there. Your there wishing you there. I think it's, it's it'll be the CW. Well, I can imagine what it'd be like if they didn't read the Logan's Run, but for HBO, it would be pretty impressive. Like you know. Like Westworld. Westworld, yeah. Lots of lots of breasts. Yeah. Yeah. And production quality that you could not believe. And all in high definition. <laughs> That's possible. What about those costumes? Man. Wow. Those reminded me those reminded me of something that Mobius would have come up with. Mm. Uh, he was a if for anybody who doesn't know, he was a a, a, a visual artist, a graphic uh, artist who was in uh, kind of came to fame in, in uh, drawing comics for in the UK, it was called uh, Heavy Metal, in Europe, it was called uh, Metal Herland, which I believe is just mm, Heavy Metal in German, I think. But uh, he had a lot of very interesting costume designs and those weird clear visor things that wrapped around the people's heads, plus that kind of cowl they wore really reminded me of, of some of his designs for characters. His real name is Jean Girard. There we go. Yeah, Jean Girard. Yeah, see, those, the, I, didn't, I didn't think of his work. I thought of why did they try to make these people look like penises? <laughs> I didn't think of that. But if you look at some of Mobius's work, you'd probably think that. Okay, well, let, let, let me let me take a step back then. Uh, let's use the British term. Why did they try to make them look like bell ends? I they're aerodynamic. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, that's a positive spin on it. Oh. I think, yeah, I think they wanted something that looked like they had the future. Yeah, fancy headwear, but really cheap. <laughs> so they just kind of cut out all these visor things that wrapped around people's heads put them in a one-piece jumpsuit with a uh, aren't those that just they just dyed the ones from man from atlantis oh probably the mime suits they just dyed them gray yes kind of whitish and then yeah stuck the uh stuff the visor over their head the the cowling or whatever we want to call it the yes yeah the, the, the guard cowl <laughs> yeah i don't know what you would call that but it's a strange you know headwear Here's another one that I think is pretty funny. Actually trying to analyze something about the story. You you have been processed back <laughs> where you come from, uh, don't you? Processed? Processed? Rem. Oh, uh, yes. Of course. It's like, 
Rem's the one who can lie. Yeah, that troubles me with a robot, android. I can't believe you keep... You just do that on purpose to anger him, don't you? Call him a robot. Oh, sure, yeah. That's exactly why I do it. Yeah, it really surprised me. It's like, I know Rem isn't exactly emotionless, but at the same time, Rem wants to pretend like he is. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though, obviously, he is not. Um, But yeah, the lying part really really surprised me and of course he's duplicitous in that he he pretends to be frozen and attacks the guard Mm -hmm. as well and then having explained it to logan why he lied is like it just seemed like it was a good idea that we should let them think because it seemed very important so at this moment i felt like logan and jessica were pretty clued in that they needed to go along with that and the first person they're put in a room with, Rama One, mm-hmm. Rama yeah. Two's mother, yeah, instantly figures out that yeah. they're not processed. And then she she says, "Look, if the patron finds out you're not processed, look out!" Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, I guess we're not doing very well." How long did they last with a patron? Two sentences, maybe. Wow, we saw a guy who looked just like you out there. And why do you think that is? He's your brother? Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> you know, to be honest, they had no clue what was really going on. I, I agree, but I mean, it is kind of sad that their ruse was so... It really came to nothing. Yeah. Right? I mean, they could have just said, no, we're not processed, and they could have taken... No, I don't know what you're talking about. They could have taken them into the city and then just processed them. And we didn't need to go through that ruse. Uh, but the reason, of course, they did that is so that we could see, because just like all the the positives in the city could obviously see that Logan and Jessica were not processed, we, mm-hmm. the audience, could obviously see that Rama 2 was the odd one out. Yeah, because right? she wasn't smiling all the time, kind of had that blissful and, look on her face. And thinking, how is it that everyone else in this room, if they can spot Logan, Jessica, and Rem instantly, how is it they haven't spotted this? Yeah. <laughs> um, I do appreciate the the range of acting that uh, that uh, Heather Menzies had to uh, do <laughs> uh, in this episode because they put her in the uh, in the machine with kind of a neutral expression, and then it split her in two uh, <laughs> in about uh, what would you say ten minutes. Uh, yeah, of, yeah. I think like that's how long minutes. it took her to go through the processing machine. Yes, yeah. Kind it was episode. it was incredibly slow and, and loud and stupid. And, yeah, it's like oh man, they, uh, it's a kaleidoscope. Yeah, they are really padding this out. And when she came out the other side, she had to show her whole range. Jessica on the left had to stand stupidly and <laughs> smile. Jessica on the right had to stand stupidly and frown. Yep. <laughs> There you go. That pretty much sums it right up there. <laughs> uh, uh, and then yeah, I might mention that uh, while we were enduring the processing, uh, we did hear quite a bit of uh, kind of musical allusions to the movie uh, soundtrack. Uh, I think specifically when they're running through the sex shop, that noise. Yeah. Unfortunately, they chose that part of the, the uh, score too reproduced yeah i i noticed that when they were doing the music build up to that i actually made a note in my notes that said check out who did the soundtrack 
because I, <laughs> I was detecting notes that sounded a lot like Gil Malay's um, Night Stalker stuff. Mm. And okay. it wasn't. It wasn't. I, I didn't recognize the name of the music guy. And I thought, well, I don't recognize the name. Never mind. Uh, it's not Gil Malay. But right. um, it, it was it is definitely stood out as different from the music we've heard in the rest of the series. Yes. And, uh, and not really in a good way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was very uh, jarring. <laughs> and it's only in that piece, too. The rest of the music is pretty bog standard yeah. Logan's run music, which is, you know, inoffensive, but nothing kind of mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mordock, is it? Modoc, Modak um, uh, is the negative side of the patron, right? And he's also the leader of the outcasts. Um, given a bazooka or a missile launcher at what I would consider to be point blank range, yes, pretty darn close. He he completely missed shooting the vehicle that yep. was trapped in a net with everyone inside of it. <laughs> Then the then the good guys come along. I'll say the good guys, but you know what I mean. The, the exactly. good the guys. Positives. The positives. They come along and rescue our heroes, and then they tell them, "Oh, don't worry. Your your car will be fine out here with the bad guys, <laughs> and leave your gun in your yeah. unlockable vehicle." Ouch! Yes, man. Which Logan does? Of course. Let's see. What else do I want to say about the the setup here? All right, we'll talk about the good bad thing. But I, I obviously, I guess they they intentionally set it up, and they told us that when people who are old, like Jessica, when they're split, get a little um, overzealous. Yep, you know, freshly converted, very easy to spot. Yeah, what's yeah? People who are just like join a new religion are always the most fanatical. Exactly. Excuse me. And have that's... you heard about processing? Can I talk to you about processing? <laughs> oh, processing's wonderful. Have you been processed? Would you like to be processed? It's a, it's a wonderful thing. So I guess that works for the negatives as well. So of course, the first thing she does <laughs> is she latches <laughs> on to some guy she thinks is hot and that's also tries to kill right Logan. There. Yeah. Yeah. And tries to kill Logan. Maybe she was trying to kill Rem. There's a, there's a discussion between Jessica and, and Logan about sanctuary yes uh, positive jessica and sanctuary and I, I i know that the i know that the theme of this episode is actually these people aren't split into good and evil these people are split into an imbalanced mm-hmm. state a little bit more good and a little bit more evil but not pure good and not pure evil because you got to say first off the behavior of the positives is reprehensible they kidnap people. They force them into things that they don't understand or or want. They uh, they take human beings that they don't like and kick them out and make them live like like animals. Mm-hmm. And Jessica is all like, you know, I want to stay here. This place is great. Well, what about sanctuary? Yeah, this is good. But what a and, and so for the first time ever, we actually get Logan make a statement. It's not about. It's not about them finding sanctuary. It's about them finding sanctuary so that the people from the city of domes can come there. Right. This is the first time they've expressed this sort of, you know, I don't know, we want to set up an underground railroad or something and get people out to sanctuary. 
And Jessica's like, well, you know, I mean, they think they're going to be renewed. So they're happy. <laughs> I think they want this. It's like, okay, that's that's what you're going to try to portray as the good side of Jessica. Yeah. That, that was kind of strange. And and I'm kind of surprised that Jessica doesn't have the hot negative. Jessica doesn't have the hots for Logan, but she apparently doesn't. Yeah, good good point there. I didn't think of that. Yeah, well, I mean, she shows up and meets uh, uh, Braun. I think he's called. Yes. And it's a no. Nah, I don't like you. And then she meets Madoc. Modoc. And suddenly she's like, "I'm all over that." <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Okay. Well. Um, you are still Jessica, and I guess you still have all of Jessica's knowledge and thoughts and and, and what's in right. nutsies. So, yeah, just, just weird. Um, also, these people have all the knowledge. Why don't they just go make their own damn city? Uh, yes. Well. Well, okay, because they're six years old when they're kicked out. Okay. Well, yeah, there's that, and uh, uh, there's probably a lot of the city that they have no idea how it actually got built. I'm going to guess. But they can do better than what they're doing. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, they had a small missile launcher, an anti-tank weapon. Where'd they find that? What else did they find? Miniature RTG. um, You know, who knows? It, it, It really was kind of goofy. And then, you know, first we presented they're kind of evil. Then Logan has a little talk with them and they're like, I don't trust you. Uh, but suddenly there's this like little glimmer of like, oh, well, rejoining. That's the dream. And like, is it? I, I don't know. It, it, it uh, That felt kind of weird. Like, uh, I mean, the positives obviously don't, don't think that. That's why they kick out the bad. And I, you know, okay, fine. I, I It's like a New Year's resolution, right? I'm going to stop these bad habits. Well, I'm just going to split them off and chuck them out in the wilderness. Right. But. So I mean, you there you are putting you're putting the notion of good and bad, and they are bad, and therefore get rid of the bad. But obviously, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not completely bad, but they are brutish and kind of unpleasant. When they get into the city, and and I think it's very clear that their plan is to get into the city, and if they can't, actually, it almost sound feels like they're planning to just go in and kill everybody. And and the 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 rejoining thing is just kind of a, a pipe dream that I didn't even think they believed in. But suddenly, when me, they get in like there, just thought of at the moment. I don't know. Yeah, it's like oh, I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. But when they get in, and Madoc confronts himself, the patron. Suddenly, Modoc Madoc is is like this philosopher, crying, emotional. Right. Oh, it's just I want to, you know, be. That's my dream. Just yeah, exactly. It's out. And I'm really bad about that. I'm like, that. I did not see that at all in, in any of the performance in the Outcast. They're just, you know, snarl at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's your direction. Give them a mm-hmm. little snarl. Put some dirt on your face and snarl. <laughs> yes. And think mean thoughts. Think mean thoughts. But now suddenly he's the he's the one that's that's got the emotional range. Yeah, it's I don't know, it's kind of it's really awkward. I'd like to think that if they didn't have the Rem character, that 
the writer would have been forced to write Story, something that, plot. that, that, yeah, <laughs> something that Logan and Jessica, well, probably Logan at this point, since Jessica had, had been split off, uh, would have had to have had more dialogue and, and interacted more. And we got, could have gotten the, the characters to explain things and for, and he would have figured things out. What, what about, what about splitting Logan and Jessica both? And then actually having their positive and negative versions decide they want to be back together despite their differences. Oh, that would and have been make good. that happen. Would have blown the effects budget, but sure, it would have been great. Yeah. And then, so which which side gets hypocrite? Uh, apparently, it's the positive side. Yes, because well, they have the washing machines and the fancy clothing or fancy food. Yeah, the the patron's wife is actually a negative. Mm-hmm. She, her positive died when she was six, when they split her and they, they sent the, they sent the dead one out as the negative mm-hmm. and her mom switched her basically. So she grew up in the city, a negative the entire time, married the patron, which, you know, a, a little bit of an age difference there, but all right. And um, sure, why not? I mean, she's old enough to have been married a year or so. Probably. And William Smith is old enough to have been married 25 or 30. <laughs> and we spotted instantly. She know. I mean, she knows it. She's afraid. And I do think that's interesting that she's afraid that she might just wake up one night and kill the patron, even though she loves him. Mm-hmm. I love him. I love him. I love him. But I'm afraid I'll kill him because she knows she's a negative. And they've been sold their own bill of goods. Well, and she probably does have less, oh, yeah. less restraint, I guess we'd say. Yeah. Clearly. And, and we see that. And then at the end of the episode where, you know, the patron is going to kill the outcasts. Mm-hmm. If they come back. And then his wife commits suicide in the machine. Mm-hmm. And she says, they got something they got to tell you. It's like, I've known all along. <laughs> you hypocrite. Ugh. You yep. freaking hypocrite. Yep. You knew these people could live normal lives in the city as positives all along. Your wife, for crying out loud. Of course, you know, yep. maybe it's like the Jessica syndrome. Maybe he keeps her around because the negatives are a little bit more, uh, you know, aggressively sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Could be. Yeah, he, he likes a little bit of the wild side. And that's what she provides. But nonetheless, he's a hypocrite. The worst kind of hypocrite. And then he's like, well, okay, we'll all rejoin. And I'm thinking, you know, that's great. You've made that decision. Negative you wants to rejoin. You want to rejoin. Great. Does everyone in that group want to rejoin? Because maybe they mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. They and could be and what, happens, what happens if some of the positives don't want to join, but the negatives do? Yeah. You force I mean, them. Well, and I mean, he did say the machine was going to be destroyed. So here's your chance. So you, you never go back. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the other ones. They've cast these people out since they're six years old. There can't be a perfect one-to-one ratio of people who have oh. survived. No, exactly. There's going to be a lot more positives that are left over than the negatives. Probably. Yeah. And what happens when somebody who's been separated since age of six and they're say 30 or 40 years old and they get merged again uh, together. I mean, what, what has their memories? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
boy, I, I hope that somebody finds an old info tape on psychology and starts, you know, listening to it, figure out how to care for these poor people. Yeah, that's like sticking two people, two two personalities in one head, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yes. Yeah. I think there's going to be some problems here. It's probably a good thing that uh, Logan, Jessica, and Rem left shortly after this, because I think their society is about to fail. Fall apart. By the way, do you think the horses are processed too? Probably. I mean, I saw meat on the table, so yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. How many civilizations have uh, have the trio destroyed so far? Uh, let's mm, see. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the first ones they met, the ones of the Raiders. Oh, they, yeah. They, 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 they were left fine. them better off. They left yeah. them better off than when they... And I think we're supposed to think when they leave this civilization, they're better off. Like, no, oh, we've reconciled the two sides. No. They're going to live happily ever after. It's like, no, it's you're done. Yeah. A, a good writer would make that civilization fail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, it's going to be a disaster. And and it's hard to believe a society could fail with such absolutely awesomely cool flashlights. No, oh, those were marshalling wands for an airport. <laughs> exactly what you want to have. Your good guy is carrying if you want to make sure the bad guys can spot him a mile away. Yeah. It's like, so the big, bright, the big, bright, glowy red thing, which doesn't yep, actually cones. help you see in the dark. Yep. Is, is like, I don't know, like a beacon? Made specifically <laughs> for that. My father used them. And did they have the ends cut off so that a little yeah. beam of white light comes out? Yeah. Yeah. They were actually flashlights, too kind of dual purpose thing okay yeah i i didn't realize the ones that planes had could be used to shoot white light out the front but yeah they were just um nowadays they're, they're probably uh single you know cones or something like that they're all red or you know i don't see any reason why they wouldn't be because it's handy to have a flashlight i i suppose i just uh you know i no, i don't recall ever seeing one that you know, probably when you ever see, whenever I see one, which would either be maybe see one out the window of an airplane <laughs> at night when I'm trying to sleep or mm-hmm. on TV, they don't necessarily sweep the point across your line of vision. Oh, I, I so played with them when I was a little kid. Little so yeah, yeah, we had those as kind of toys. <laughs> yeah, not the very best flashlights when you're doing a search. <laughs> um, I did notice a... Um, uh, a little goof uh, right after the uh, evil Jessica was thrown out past the, um, the barrier, they, they dismount the horses. She's shuffled across the barrier after it's been deactivated. And as she's kind of looking at the guards, kind of looking shocked in the lower left or lower right hand side of the, the screen, you can see a guy behind some bushes sitting on a log. He's wearing uh, blue jeans and probably a blue jacket. And there's probably a white van or a, uh, an RV next to him. Uh, and he moves a little bit. So they just shot this this reaction shot to her pretty much wherever. Probably just yelled, everybody be quiet, rolling. And did that, and that was the end of it. <laughs> you can't make out the guy's face or anything, but you can tell that there's somebody sitting on a log in the corner. They'd had to pay him if they could have made out his face. Yeah, probably. Probably some guy in a break. <laughs> <sighs> Not a great episode. 
No, not, not a great. I, not I don't really. know. There, I can't even think of any worse so far. And there have been some bad ones. The Innocent was bad. The Girl with the Psy Powers that yeah. was bad. And Capture was bad. That was bad. That was the most dangerous game. I'm going to go with you on this one. I'm going to agree with you. This one. Collectors was bad, but I think this was the worst. (laughs) Yeah. All those had stories that were better than this. I mean, well, this one had potential, but they just, you know, some Android got in the way. Really could have seen some, some actual character development here. Yes, they could have they could have analyzed the differences between good and evil in in a character we know. And uh, yeah. But, yeah. But no, not really. No, we're just going to do that. Attack the Citadel. Yep. Yeah. Storm in a castle. We're storming a castle. Have fun. Okay, let's turn our attention to the crypt. Story by Harlan Ellison. Woohoo. Episode synopsis. Rem and his pets arrive in a ruined city, still standing (laughs) two centuries after the thermonuclear war. The presence of the car causes an automated beacon to signal to them. Investigating, they discover a pre-recorded message from the year 2120. The message tells them of a government facility deep below their current location. There was a plague killing everyone, and while their scientists searched for a cure... They selected the six best and brightest among them to be placed in cryogenic suspension, awaiting the cure. The cure was found, and exactly enough was made for the six individuals below. But then, power went out, and they couldn't get to them with the cure. The message from the past exhorts whoever finds this message to take the cure to the sleepers below. With a quick zippity-zip, Rem fixes the elevator, and away they go. When they arrive at the intact facility below, they are suddenly shook by what is apparently the first earthquake there in 200 years. The ceiling begins to collapse. Logan and Jessica are injured, and one of the two vials of cure is destroyed. Also, simultaneously, the earthquake triggers the reawakening sequence for the sleepers, who awake just in time for Logan to find them. The six best and brightest left behind to save mankind are a doctor, an engineer, a robotics expert, a psychic, an attractive woman, and a professional administrator. When told that there's a cure, but only enough for half of them, they decide that Logan and Jessica must decide which of them lives and which of them dies. And, for no apparent reason, they reluctantly agree to this. They hide the serum until they decide, despite the fact that the psychic could easily ascertain where they hid it. (laughs) This brave new world is to be denied the wonders of bureaucratic administration, though, as Lyman, the administrator, is found dead. That makes things a bit easier for making the decision, but the five remaining contestants make it clear that they do not want Rem to be part of the decision-making process. Him being a machine and all. While Logan and Jessica try to get to know the sleepers, Rem continues investigating. It should be no surprise that each sleeper tries to make the case that they should be among those that are cured. Most try making the logical argument, but Sylvia Reyna tries a different approach. She's young and hot, and she'll do anything for Logan. Logan turns her down flat. He likes his women simple, like Jessica. (laughs) Later, Rem discovers the logs of the long-dead leader of the project. Just prior to his death, 
he discovered that one of the sleepers is an imposter, although he doesn't bother to actually reveal which one it is. That night, Rem reveals the truth. Lyman was actually murdered and his death staged to look like an accident. Also, there's an imposter among you. Apparently, it seems that none of the six met each other before being sent into suspension, and an imposter simply took the place of one of the chosen ones. Which one is it? There's a power failure, and in the darkness, the world loses out on a future of advanced robotics because Victoria Mackey, expert in robotics, is shot. And then there were four. Rem proceeds to uncover the imposter. Could it be Dr. Rachel Greenhill? No, says Jessica. She put an ace bandage on my injured knee. She's a real doctor. <laughs> Could it be engineer David Para? No, says David Para. I built this place. Just ask me. I can tell you where any nut or bolt is. Okay, you must not be the imposter. Could it be psychic Dexter Kim? No, says Logan. We saw him levitate an object earlier. He's a real psychic. <laughs> then it must be Sylvia Reyna. And it is. She grabs the precious vial of serum that Logan stupidly left on the table and threatens to destroy it if he doesn't let her live. Logan overpowers her and takes back the serum. He hands it to the others. Clean up your own mess. And they leave. Later, we see Sylvia, or whatever her real name is, being put back in suspended animation. The end. Story by the late, great Harlan Ellison, one of the all-time greatest writers <laughs> to hear him tell it, ever. Yes, it's quite the character. What was that story about him uh, Him trying to pitch a story or something like that and uh, cleaning his pistol at the same time? I mean, <laughs> firearm. Oh, yeah. I uh, hadn't heard that one, but I can totally Yeah, I, I should have looked that one up, but yeah, I remember it hearing a story about that. It definitely sounds like something that he might tell. I've heard stories like that from Straczynski as well. Not not necessarily a gun, but there's a certain sort of, I did this while I was doing this intimidating thing, and you know it's just not true. But it, it's, I don't know. Not teleplay by Harlan Ellison. Story by Harlan Ellison. Just want to be clear. The the final teleplays by some guy I've never heard of, so you know, who cares? But um, <laughs> I wonder how much of this idea is Harlan Ellison's because, yeah. you know, I could see... I've always thought that his contributions to uh, Babylon 5, even though he got, you know, credit in every episode, was probably along the lines of... You should set this on a space station in space and it rotates to create gravity. Is that good enough to get my name in the credits? It sure is, Harlan. It sure is. Yeah, it's, I, I think he's probably, or he was, uh, you know, the name to drop uh, if you are yeah. uh, trying to pitch something or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think of the episode? Well, um, I think it had one of the best, better endings I've seen so far. You know, well, the, they just said it's off and leave. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, it, they did, which is not un, uncommon to the other episodes where they just kind of take off after leaving the uh, 
the people they've encountered in some horrible state of disarray uh, that probably many of them will die from. Uh, <laughs> in this case, I think the scientists, you know, knew what they had to do. So they just, you know, they, they threw her back in the freezer and uh, they took the antidote and were probably thinking, gee, I wonder why Logan and Jessica haven't succumbed to this virus yet. Uh, they said, they said, <laughs> send them on their way. They said why when they came down. Oh, don't worry. The virus will have burned itself out by now. So you're safe. And we're past the infectious stage. They uh, said that. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, it's total BS, but that's what yeah. they said. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, kind of aware of how viruses kind of work nowadays, <laughs> at least better than I once was. They, you know, they only missed by a hundred years. <laughs> true. The, the plague true. hit in 2120. In, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah. Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I mean, I kind, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. And, and, you know, this is held up as one of the two best stories of the, of the series. And I gotta say, I don't agree. No, I'm not saying the other, I guess it depends on how you want to put it. Are the other ones so bad that this one's the best of the bunch <laughs> or is it just that this one's bad too? And I think this one's bad too. And I will, I will explain why. A very simple reason. Why? So upstairs in this intact building that nobody has been in, because if they'd been in it, then it would have, the alarms would have been triggered and the message would have already been played and all that. And the place would have been, you know, the, the vials probably would have been destroyed and or taken right. or yeah. gone. Well, so let's assume, I think it's reasonable to say that Logan and the gang are the first people to discover it. If that's the case, first off, I feel really bad that the people were so stupid that they couldn't get the elevator to work when obviously it was easy to fix. Yeah. And obviously there's power in the building, so it's not a power failure. Mm-hmm. So one, the other greatest minds in the world in this think tank are too stupid to fix a freaking elevator. <laughs> with, with like days, days of time to work out how to get that thing down there. And they didn't. Okay, fine. That bugs me. Logan and the gang go down. The place is completely intact. Yes, there's an earthquake. And obviously it must be the first earthquake because the place is completely intact up to that point. Well. That's, that's bad coincidence number one. Except for one piece of equipment in a, the admin office. That was previously tipped over for an unknown reason. That's right. And had cobwebs on it. Yeah, I, I did get that. But everything else was Right, everything pristine. else was fine. And the earthquake caused... So that happens just as they come down. That's bad enough. That's stupid coincidence, script writing wise. But it's also stupid coincidence that that causes two pieces of valuable equipment that are probably not properly bolted down to scooch off, fall on the panel that controls the revival <laughs> yeah. of the people and initiates the revival of the people. Now, if Logan and Rem and Jessica had not found that thing when they did, that earthquake still would have hit. That yep. still would have happened. Yep. They would have revived they would have died down there. End of story. This only works because it all happens at exactly that time. And of course, what? one of the vials is destroyed. They have a doctor. They have bright people, the best and the brightest. There is such a simple solution. It's not even funny. Administrator Lyman, we don't need you right now. Back in your cryopod. Yep. Psychic dude, we don't need you right now. Back in the cryopod. Yep. Woman who has no apparent 
job function that you never mention what it is until after you revealed that you're an imposter. Back in the chiropod. <laughs> yep. Actually, maybe even all five of them go back in the chiropod, leaving the doctor. She's got, she's cured. She's got sample. And golly gosh, all the records are probably upstairs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you just go upstairs, find the paperwork, hope it's not the paperwork that Logan set on fire. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. That would be funny. Actually, it would be. that would have been funnier than hell. Wait, we'll just go up and get the records. Huh, somebody set this on fire. Logan. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, I guess uh, it's time for us to go. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're leaving. Him. Bye. Yeah, bye. We've done so our job. all that. She had stuff to analyze. She had their records. The, the computers are obviously still functioning. There just is no dilemma here. Those people go back in cryo suspension. Mm-hmm. And story over. No dilemma. No problem. No nothing. Ta-da! <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and all that, all that just makes this not a good story. Plus, <laughs> the stupid idea of the imposter... The, the 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 ludicrous idea that none of them met each other in that base and that they were all selected by computer at you know at the last minute and right, sent totally, down there yeah that guy para is the guy who built the base mm-hmm. don't tell me that the others don't know him right right he would have at least known the administrator lyman is the administrator the time, yeah right they should have known the administrator mm-hmm. uh they all talked like they knew about each other. Oh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a great doctor and all this stuff. It's like, no, you don't know that. You, you've never met these people. It, it's just really, I, I don't want to put that on Harlan. I think Harlan's idea was there are six people in a crypt. They've got a deadly disease. There's only enough cure for three of them. <laughs> Story. <laughs> Send me that my check. Be- that could be exactly how he sounded too. I'm not sure. Never heard him speak, but yeah, that that is probably what he did. Uh, the, this could have been like a favor or something like that uh, to somebody who was running the DC show, Fontana or David Gerald, or yeah, it yeah. could be. And uh, well, Triangle you know, award. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He needed a few bucks or something. Yeah, exactly, because you know, writers get paid. Or, you know, yeah, it just it, it, or. SWG card. Um, yeah. <laughs> it just, it's just not, it's not good. And it's so, it's so obvious. Every, everything about it is obvious. Oh, you, wait, you picked the best and the brightest, your most genius creative minds. Sorry, one of them's an administrator? Isn't he supposed to be on the B arc? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, maybe they thought that, well, somebody has to be down there to, to round up these scientists and they haven't actually do something productive. Well, there is going to be 200 years of paperwork to fill out when we get back up top. Exactly. <laughs> You're yeah, going to yeah. need somebody yeah, that does boy. it. But really, do our best and brightest people go into administration? I do not think so. <sighs> misguided, perhaps. Bright and misguided. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all of that just really makes this this episode to me not good (laughs) not good you know it doesn't make it stand above the others in any particular way yes logan has a little bit of a dilemma but you Mm -hmm. know uh 
my wife watched this with me. Uh, right. I think she likes to watch them because she likes to make fun of how bad the opening music is. Oh. I, I love that woman. Um, <laughs> that is truly some I, evil, evil I, music. That's what it that is. Pew, pew, pew. Oh. I mean, we just do that for half an hour during the course of the show. It's, but anyway, we watched that and, and she had the same reaction that I did. And I, I always feel validated when somebody has the same reaction as I did. <laughs> tell Tell them to, I can't say the exact words, uh, but like, you're going to have to make the decision for us. Like to hell I am. <laughs> make your own decision. You guys pick. I'm surprised Rem didn't come up with it. They wouldn't let Rem remember. Well, I mean, he could have said something about it. Yeah. I mean, he could have, they, they could have all slipped off to the side and Rem said, okay, here's the deal. You need the doctor, the engineer and the, the psychic. So Mm-hmm. That that's my decision. Don't tell them it was my idea. Yeah, because they don't like machines. Despite the fact that <laughs> it is later revealed in this very story that the six of them were chosen to survive <gasps> by the computers. Exactly. So actually, I would be thinking I have a better chance of being picked by the computers at this point <laughs> than by the people. If I were David Para, I would be thinking I've got a better chance of a logical computer picking me as opposed to letting Logan think with his blaster. Little little Logan. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because uh, uh, Sylvia is uh, is putting the putting the moves on him mm-hmm. and she looks better in that little spacey outfit than I do, as he says. Yep, I don't have the equipment to convince Logan, which is kind of funny in the year 2021, because you couldn't say that line anymore because he might. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I've decided that Rem is actually Columbo, and these are just detective stories in the future. That's what I've decided. Prove me wrong. Like he he quite literally does everything in this story. Mm hmm. He's the star. It's the Rem show. You're you're absolutely it, it, right. It really is Rem and his pets, and that's. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the other thing. Okay, you've just revived three of the greatest and brightest minds of 22nd century. Okay. Bye. Yeah, you're not going to ask him any questions, any hints, any tips. Come you along know. with us. Help us find sanctuary. Maybe maybe we could build sanctuary here. You know, any mm-hmm. number of things. And that part, part of the format of the story is that they seem to fire and forget every week. Yeah. But once again, those people, this is not like they've come to a little community village and they've solved their problem and then they leave them to their fate. This is three people totally out of time, totally lost in this world with absolutely no one or nothing except themselves and whatever is in that base. Right. You don't leave them. Right. Well, I mean, and, and the, the survivors, you know, why didn't they like try to convince them to stay for a while and tell them about what they've seen? Yeah. So we can know what the world is like up right. top. So we don't like, you know, go outside and get eaten by a, a terrible Gru or whatever the hell is it waiting for us outside. Yeah. I, I would assume that that happened, but then again, you know, we didn't see it on TV, so it probably didn't happen. Didn't didn't act like it was happening. I mean, yeah, the way they exactly. phrased it, it's like we're done here. Bye. 
yeah. solve your own problem. It's like, I don't really see any problem to solve. You've got three good people. And when I say good people, I mean, not murderers. Yeah, exactly. And enough cure for the three people. But now Logan, who was willing to make this decision, now Logan won't make the decision. <laughs> <clears throat> and of course, there is always the specter of the cryogenic tubes waiting there right. for saving her. I mean, would you save her if you could? If if they put her back in and then they go find the notes upstairs and they make more of the virus or the, the serum, do they save her? Because she is um, a murderer. Yeah. A calculating murderer. And, uh, but also she uh, has some skills. Horrible. Yeah. She has some skills and uh, they, uh, and this is a classic uh, may need to repopulate the world. The world. Yeah. They don't know what's up there. It could just be the three people in the city of domes. Exactly. Like nobody stayed around to tell them what to expect when they come outside. The other part that, that kind of smacks of, of, um, I don't know, tropishness, is this idea, I and mean, we've seen it repeatedly in in the show, we saw it with the, the Sanctuary Project, is that uh, after the war, we need the before times knowledge and people to rebuild this world and save it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of foundation-ish. Right. You've got a, We've got a period of barbarism that's going to follow the war and we need we need these people to to diminish the barbarism. Right. As, as time goes by. But quite honestly, it isn't that barbaric. I mean, the tech of the Dome City, pretty impressive. Yep. The tech of the people who well, the people who built Rem and the robots, pretty impressive. You know, it, it isn't lost. Not like, you know. What was Einstein's comment? Uh, they said what somebody asked him oh. what World War Three will be. What weapons will World War Three be fought with? And he said, I don't know, but I can tell you what will be World War Four: mm-hmm. sticks and stones, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's not like that. Logan has got high tech guns already. So does the, all the city of Dome. So I mean, this is this is not a barbaric world. It's an underpopulated world. It's a world without proper infrastructure. Darn, and they got rid of the only competent administrator. <laughs> oh. that, Look, that's what, what we he could have done in the city roads. of domes. That, that darn engineer <laughs> has just been working on these stupid projects. We need him to engineer some roads. Interstate system, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start some trade between these villages and, uh, you know. Yep. And all the stuff you need along with that, you bet. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that the the robotics expert pegged Rem immediately. Yeah, that was interesting. I don't know how she pegged him. Yeah, I wonder what the tell was. Because he's so so obviously far far in advance of anything that she's capable of doing. She says mm-hmm. as much. It's like, so how did you spot? Does he does he squeak when he walks? Well, he doesn't breathe. Well, he doesn't breathe, yes. And so maybe that was it. Have we established... Oh, I have questions about that breathing thing. Let me come back here for a second. (laughs) Because he does mention... Logan mentions that the air smells fresh. And then then Rem mentions something about not knowing that because he basically doesn't breathe. Yeah, okay. All right, well, let me get back to just a second. Mm -hmm. How is Rem's vision? 
I would say it is as acute as a human's. Because I, I'm trying to remember if we've seen anything where his visual acuity is better than humans. Not, not visually. He can sense things like electromagnetic fields. Okay. The reason I ask is because in this episode, he actually is like, hey, Logan, could you get me some more light on here? Exactly. And not that Logan provided much light, but, you know, with that fire, but a little. And it's like, really, you can't you can't actually see that with your Android eyes. They didn't make your Android eyes better than regular human eyes. (laughs) They made everything else better. They didn't make your Android eyes better. All right. right, I just like the fact that they they, uh, when they went into the elevator, the fire was still going. (laughs) Whole things burned down. (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny? We can't open the door. Don't know why. The whole Finally, they blast it, and the city's gone. Yeah, it's just nothing but a burned wasteland. It's like, oops. Oops, doggone it. Did it again. Uh, must have been the atomic weapons. Yeah, that's mm. it. Yeah, yeah, Still it smoking. <laughs> mess, messy, messy city. All right, back to that breathing <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. How does Rem talk? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, is he simulating voice box and modulating air or is it a little speaker and a recorder back there or something? Well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I suppose that somebody could have figured out a way to make the basic sounds, but still have him have to move his mouth to cause the sounds to, to uh, be resonant and actually sound like human speech uh because if they didn't it would sound weird when he was speaking because there'd be this resonant chamber that would make the sounds weird mm-hmm. i don't know so i'm thinking i'm thinking he does breathe I, i'm thinking you know with, with like uh data on star trek next gen i think it's fairly clear that he simulates human function therefore he does take in air and he does talk by means of a voice box, I think, because he is, you know, fully functional. And, um, okay. Yeah. Undermined a little bit later on when they remove his arm, uh, to show, but, but for the most part, I think he's supposed to be like when he's whistling in the very first episode, he's trying to whistle. That's obviously him sucking in air. And yeah, they're passing it through his lips. So yeah, there's absolutely some sort of a bellows or a pump of some form inside of his chest that would or neck that would would cause that to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, but Rem doesn't seem to be that kind of android. You know, whenever Rem opens himself up, it's it's really just a facade, mm-hmm. rather than sort of like trying to simulate what's in a human. Yeah, he's more of an animatronic at Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I was it was interesting that uh psionic ability was already around in uh uh 2120. Well, wasn't that the premise of the place that put the girl that fell in love with Logan was that that was a right. group of telekinetic or telepathics that were put in that place and just carried right, on. Right, but that would have I kind of got the impression that that was after things happened, but then again, mm. if there if the Great Plague occurred at twenty one twenty, then then yeah, there could have been people inside that bunker for a very long time. Remember though, mm-hmm. in nineteen seventy seven, yeah, I think when this show came out seventy seven, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty firmly established that 
telepathic powers were absolutely real. Uh, yes, I've seen in search of as well. And then it it was just a question of learning how to control it. Yes, and, and to, to bring them out in people. Yes, because you know yep. Stanford and places had had proven it was it was true. <laughs> oh, those hysteric <laughs> goats. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm guessing this was not. You know, when, when the audience looking at it in 1977 would be going, yeah, you know, by a hundred plus years from now, we've figured out how to do that. Exactly. We all. Yeah. So again, though, I'm not sure best and brightest that counts. He's our best and brightest telekinetic psychic. Uh, I don't know. I guess back in that time, they had other ideas that you could do things with psionic abilities. I I, I don't know. Maybe they, they well, thought I mean, that was he, the next evolution in human or the next step in ev- uh, human evolution. I don't know. I mean, he, he was able to go, hey, these people came in, and then there was an earthquake, and they the ceiling fell on them, and the vials broke. Right. And just go hide that vial someplace. Yeah, why don't Nobody you hide knows. the vial? <clears throat> you don't tell anyone where it is, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. what you need the robot for. Yeah. There's a Rem chance they been, might have to be able to read Be that. able to read him. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, on the other hand, he should have been the one that pegged that Rem was an android. Good point. Well, maybe the psionics don't work like that. He can he can boil water by looking at it. He can cause things to levitate, and he can have some post-cognitive visions. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, well, that's enough to save him as one of the last six people on Earth. I mean... Who's to say that he also isn't some sort of a... Uh... Uh, an imposter who knows they're all all six are <laughs> imposters <laughs> that'd be a hoot <laughs> that would be a much better story <laughs> it turns out the two you killed were the <laughs> only real ones. the legitimate ones yeah the administrator and the robotics expert so yeah <laughs> well i still think this is one of the better episodes we've seen I, uh, maybe because but, it's more of a, a a um a detective series or detective show. Maybe that's why. Well, tell me, what, what did you think the more to come screen meant? I don't know. I Maybe it was like, um, uh, it was waiting for a transmission from another station or something like that. And it was the, you know, expect more communications and it never happened. Or uh, I don't know. Maybe it was like um, a, a, a thought-provoking slogan. There's more to come. You know, the world's not over yet, folks. And things were just a little bit more mellow in the future. You know, it wasn't catchy. Maybe, with maybe it was. Like maybe that was place. their version of the little cat hanging. It says, "Hang in there, baby." Yeah, keep calm and carry on. You know, that's what there there was. There's more to come. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. This is an example of Logan Rim and maybe Jessica at that moment. I think he was carrying Jessica. They they come into that room and you see the sign. And it says more to come, and they look at it, <laughs> and nobody says, "What does that mean?" So that's where the uh, the writer and the art director did not have a, a good conversation. That's Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not, because that's what I would have said. More, mm-hmm. more what to come? Well, Rem, find that. That's a computer. Talk to it. Yeah, exactly. I. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh. it's like I. I couldn't figure that out. Um, Gifted dialogue writers apparently did not live back then. Part of, at least part of the problem is part of the problem is that this is really it's just not well. 
put together. I do love the sparkly Ace Bandage, though. They had future Ace <laughs> Bandages in there. Sure, that yeah. Was... Well, you know, it's like modern bandages, bandages that are infused with silver. They're space Ace Bandages. That's right. <laughs> um, also, l- let's try to put deeper meaning to it. Uh-oh. I know. Seriously. <laughs> That always works so well with this show. It really does. You just with you many side mer- yeah. messages, morals, meanings. Um, <laughs> there is this thing, this message. It says, "Help us, help us, send get the mm-hmm. cure down." It's like, well, sure, I'll do what I can do. And then they go down. The accident happens. They lose part of the vial, and they re- the people revive. So they didn't do anything there. They give them the the stuff. And they say, you guys have to decide. You guys have to decide. There is a scene where Logan and Jessica and Rem are by themselves. And I forgot exactly how they put it. Jessica says something like, it's not fair. We shouldn't have to do this. Or why don't we could, we could, oh yeah, here are our choices. We could, we could leave. Mm -hmm. Or we could draw random numbers to which Rem's response is, that seems like the coward's way out or I'm not sure how that is the coward's way out, but yeah. okay. And, uh, or they could draw straws and, and then there's whatever the, the final option, which is we'll have to, we'll have to do it. But Rem has this little speech about you're obligated to help these people because you took on that responsibility when you chose to help them in the first place. <laughs> I don't get the logic of that at all. It's I, I help you. Let's see. You were, you were unconscious in the street. A car was coming. I grabbed you. I pulled you off to the side of the road and then you wake up and you go, I'm dying. And I can only leave my money to one of my two children. You have to pick. That is not my moral obligation to have to pick. Right. That's a person dying, making a very, very poor choice. Yeah. It's like, why why do i have a responsibility to continue to help them mm-hmm. i'm not saying that i wouldn't continue to help them but it's not my obligation to do it right. i didn't yeah. take that on by really not my circus not my monkeys uh you know that you guys should figure it out for yourself you're smarter than us and and jessica's just simple oh that line i laughed oh man so hard it's like I, I said other words too. I can't repeat. Um, but uh, <laughs> that was some sick burn. <laughs> and oh, so right. <laughs> so Jessica is not the brightest bulb. No, let's face no, it, she's not. But you know, think of where they came from. <laughs> but she put a she put a bandage on my knee. She must be a doctor. Well, you know. That might be the only care that she's ever seen in the Dome City. I'm just wondering why the uh, the scientist who synthesized the drug up on the surface didn't write down the instructions on how to synthesize the drug and stick it in with the vials. Yeah, there you go. That would be yeah. that'd be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the instruction here's the data disk uh, with a formula. Yeah. Um, you know, in case they need to make more for other people after they come out of the out of the plague. Right, or at least you know, give the 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 organic chemistry name of the thing that would give you clues on how to fix it or how to you mm-hmm. know, make your own. Oh man, 
Apparently, people in the middle of a virus don't think right. I'll believe that when I see it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, just saw it. <laughs> You're yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. Huh? I guess so. Oh, we <laughs> learned our lesson. I got nothing else. No. Uh, well, other than I think this is one of the better episodes, um, that's it. <laughs> and amazingly, they managed to keep Harlan Ellison's name on it. I guess the people involved thought it was a pretty good episode then. He obviously did. Well, his name was honestly wanted to get paid. Definitely David Gerald's episode was better than this one. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were problems with that because, you know, time travel, there's always problems with that. But, but. Yeah, well, maybe I just like the ones where they actually interact with the past more directly. Maybe that's what it is. I do think this is one of the more interesting premises. I'll I'll go that far. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a more intelligent, it's a more intelligent setup. In as much as the bit where I attributed the part that I think Harlan wrote, there's this crypt with six sleepers in it, and there's only enough vaccine for three of them. That is, you know, the germ of an idea that you could really get a dramatic human story script out of. But the yes. execution beyond that point really didn't pass the stink test. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think if they would have had a, a, oh, a director with vision that stuck to a few episodes, you know, maybe most of them, this <laughs> series could have been a lot better. You know, actually had somebody who is like a, a showrunner that could kind of keep things going along in an orderly fashion. Uh, this might have had some some decent uh, legs. Might have gotten a second season. Who knows? Might have finished the first one. Oh yeah, could have done that too. <laughs> that whole that whole let's get through number one before we try to get to number two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, next time we'll be talking about two more episodes. We'll be looking at Fear Factor and the Judas Goat. John, thank you for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash Fusion Patrol or patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at FusionPatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash FusionPatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we will be looking at the Telesnap reconstruction of the Doctor Who serial the crusade when we discuss our previous encounter with versions of this missing story pure historicals and historical accuracy and the editorial decisions around reconstructing stories where there is insufficient original material to convey the narrative come join the conversation on fusion patrol <laughs>